Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today members exclusive podcast. My name is Henry Jennings. It is Monday the 3rd of April and as usual with all the information contained in this podcast it is general advice only. So please do your own research. Contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas or insights in this podcast. All right, well, let's kick things off with the scores on the doors. It's coming up to 11 a.m. this morning. The index is up 61 points or 0.8 of a percent, 72.38, a pretty impressive start to the week, I have to say. This is a short week, but a pretty impressive start to the week this week. Of course, we did get that uh, strong US lead-in on Friday following that uh, CP or the PCE number, the personal consumption expenditure number, coming in below forecast, showing that inflation continues to ease in the US. Uh, That was enough to push the Dow up 400-odd points, and we are seeing that spill over into our market today. The uh, banking sector seems to be especially in demand today. Uh, We do have uh, CBA up 1.1%, ANZ having a pretty good day up 1.9%. But the big news of the day, I guess, sector-wise and in the market-wise, is the oil sector. Now, we did see that Saudi Arabia has cut oil supplies by around a million barrels. This is OPEC and Saudi Arabia. They pledged to make production cuts starting next month that will exceed 1 million barrels a day. Saudi Arabia leading the way with 500,000 barrels of cuts to daily output. Uh, This was despite OPEC saying previously that they would hold production steady. So we are seeing the oil price. WTI was up as much as 8%, uh, which was its biggest intraday move in more than a year. So that is certainly something that the market has taken on board this morning. We've got Woodside up 3.5%, Santos up 3.1%, Caroon doing especially well, stock we hold in the small cap portfolio, up 7.5%, and Beach doing well up 4%. So that is the, the standout at the moment today especially uh, with uh, resources, which are a little bit on the nose this morning. We have got lithium stocks continuing to be on the nose. Pilbara down 3.2%, and we have Liontown down 0.4%. Of course, uh, last week, Liontown was the focal point. Uh, Lake Resources, though, having a good day today, Uh, a rare good day for Lake Resources, I have to say. Uh, They have certainly been... Uh, a target recently, but they did get independent verification of high-grade lithium carbonate from their Karchi demonstration plant. So that is uh, some good news for them, and that stock is doing very well today. They are up 11.2%. The rest of the resources not doing an awful lot. BHP and Rio pretty much unchanged. The other news coming out of resource land this morning is that Wailu, which are bidding for Mincor, MCR, the stock code there. It looks like Wailu are pressing ahead with the bid. $1.40 is the bid from Wailu. Wailu, of course, is uh, Andrew Forrest's investment arm, but it does look as if the Mincor bid is proceeding at the moment, at least. There was some press speculation this morning that BHP had some uh, clauses in the offtake agreement with Mincor that would scuttle that bid and make Wailu 
walk away, but they have confirmed this morning uh, that they are pursuing that bid. Dollar forty cash is the bid, and that is exactly where the stock is at the moment, with four hundred and fifteen million shares on the bid at a dollar forty. So if you're trying to get in the queue on the buy side of that, well, good luck because there's four hundred and fifteen million ahead of you because that Wailu bid is on market, which is unusual to say the least. Talking of takeovers in Henry's Tate today, just running through a few takeover rules that are uh, in place in Australia. I did have a little bit of an um, email conversation with one of our members this morning uh, regarding uh, the, uh, the state of takeovers and how they all work and some of the takeover laws. He had a suggestion that maybe someone like Arbemile wasn't really serious. Now, Arbemile has around four and a half five percent currently of Liontown which is a pretty big go of a 5.6 billion dollar company admittedly they probably bought it a little bit lower but even so it's a 250 million dollar position so it's a relatively serious position Uh, the email conversation also moved into the area of whether we could see Arbemile quietly sneak out the back door in terms of selling and now the share price is above their bid according to Baker McKenzie, uh, who have a very decent piece on M&A Guide for Australia. Uh, shares of sale, no, sale of shares by the bidder. Uh, the bidder is not permitted to dispose of any target company's shares during the bid period unless another non-associated bidder makes or increases a competing takeover bid for the target company. So there certainly is some, uh, some rules and regulations around uh, takeovers, some of which I have put in Henry's take today in regards to some of those rules, including uh, how the creep provisions work, because you can buy on market around uh, 3% of a company after you've gone to 19.9%. You can't go above 199 without making a bid for the company, but you can creep up the register and buy another 3% every six months, a tactic that Kerry Stokes has used to good effect in Borrell and Beach Petroleum over the years, something that has caused the ire of investors, something that Solly Lou has also done as well in Maya over that period of time too. So there is some creep provisions in there. But just looking at how takeover bids work at the moment, very much being the focus of the non-binding indicative offer or the NBIO, which is really designed to get the board interested enough to open the books give the private equity or the acquirer or the bidder uh, a good look at things and allow them to do due diligence over a period of time. And then hopefully the two parties, the board and the bidder, then can come up with an agreed price for that stock. Of course, that doesn't always work out and some do tend to walk away. We saw that with Ramsey. Uh, That's certainly one that uh, the bidder walked away from that bid. That just got too hard, I think. There is some press speculation today that Tyro Payments, that there is a sort of a 170 to 180 cent target range where the board would be relatively happy to roll over. And that would certainly put it way above where it has been for some time. So uh, that would be a possible takeover target. The stock is up around 4.7% this morning on the back of that. But it's certainly an interesting place at the moment. Much speculation, of course, on what's going to happen in Liontown. And the question that came from our member is, why didn't um, Arbemarle just go full hostile uh, like Sabanier Stillwater did with NCZ, New Century Resources, 
which of course they went hostile from day one, just bid $1.10 in the market and were pretty much killed in the rush. They've now gone to compulsory acquisition of NCZ. So the question, I guess, is why didn't Arbemile follow their lead and just put the money on the table and uh, just be very aggressive? Well, I guess part of the reason is they probably sounded out some of the institutions before they bid as to the likely bid price that institutions would likely accept. The problem with Liontown is that the concentration of shareholders is very much in Tim Goida's hands and his um, fan base, if you like, or in retail investors, as they do have a very, very large proportion of uh, Liontown. And there are not really many institutions on the register at all there. It's one that really is dominated by retail Tim Goida and various other people, but not many actually on the institutional register. Tim Goida, for instance, has got 329.68 million shares in Liontown. So um, it obviously was quite hard for the for the uh, bidder Arbemile to get that position in Liontown. Pre the bid, they did arrive with about 2.2% and have moved to around 4.3%, I think, and maybe a bit higher. Uh, they're not allowed to sell on market uh, unless there is a higher bid uh, during the bidding period. That's one of the rules, as we talked about earlier. So uh, interesting situation. Liontown continues to hold above the $2.50 level that Arbemile have bid for with their indicative proposal. So uh, they're currently around $2.56, but the market's still waiting for more news, I guess, on what's going to happen there. But it hasn't really helped the whole lithium sector, which does feel still a little bit weak and floppy, uh, given that we are seeing continued weakness in that lithium price in China. Of course, the big event this week is tomorrow, where we get the RBA pronouncement on interest rates. Interestingly, as well, on Wednesday, Philip Lowe is speaking in the National Press Club so we may get some more clarification and more comments out of Phil Lowe on Wednesday. So that'll be interesting to see how that pans out tomorrow. But at the moment, the market certainly is enjoying uh, the gains, although we're not exactly kicking on from there. But at the moment, we are still holding that 60-point rally that we have seen. Not a lot of other news around this morning. Just looking at the performance of some of the stocks in March uh, the best performing stock in March was Liontown Resources, which was up 58%. For the quarter, it was up 111%. United Malt, second, 38.5% better. For the quarter, it was up 36%. Invercare, notice anything about these? These are all takeover stocks. Invercare was up 33%. For the quarter, it was up 7.3%. Capricorn Metals, interesting, this one joining the top stocks for the month, up 23%. Only 3% for the quarter, so a good rally back there. Helios up 21% and zero after announcing that they would be cutting costs on a move towards profitability rather than just sales. Up 18% for the quarter, up 27%. Uh, in the casualties for the last month, Lake Resources was down 26% for the month, 41% for the quarter. Megaport down 25% for the month, 32% for the quarter. Polynovo has really struggled since we saw uh, one of the directors sell out, down 24.5% for the month, 12% for the quarter. Linus struggling as well, down 18.7%, uh, nearly 18% for the quarter. That comes on the back of their license renewal, but still issues surrounding uh, processing 
post-July 1 where they have that problem and they're trying to alleviate that with the Western Australia plant that they are building. And no changes in the strategy portfolio or the ideas portfolio at the moment. We still have three banks in the ideas, ANZ, Westpac and NABs. And in the strategy portfolio, we're still sticking with our ETFs on the ASX 200, beta shares NASDAQ and the S&P 500 hedged. And the S&P ASX 200 REIT index. REIT's doing a little better today. They have been under a little pressure towards the end of last week. And Marcus has an article today in Marcus Take talking about risk, uh, I guess, uh, and lots of tables there for you to uh, look at, um, but talking about how to access risk in your portfolio. So certainly a very interesting article and one to have a little look at during the day. Well, that's about it. Well, thanks very much for listening to this podcast. Of course, tomorrow is the RBA. In the meantime, it is all about the oil price at the moment. That will have an inflationary impact in the market, which could negate some of the gains that we've seen in inflation in recent times, at least gains getting inflation under a little bit of control. So that's something we will have to keep an eye on. But uh, apart from that, there's not a lot of corporate news out this morning. It is all about OPEC. And uh, I guess that MinCore announcement as well. Well, that's it. Have a great day. And we'll be back again this afternoon with the end of day report uh, to give you a roundup of all today's events.